0: Hey everyone, it's Tom. We've got a cool little game you can play if you go over to our website, www.talkaroundriad.com. It's a survey pitting two random Wheel of Time characters against each other and asking you to vote which character is more of a main character in the books. The combinations are nearly endless, so keep voting as much as you'd like. We'll reveal the final results in a special episode soon. Remember, vote early, vote often.
1: We got three of you here.
2: Is it Jen, Joe, and Tom? <laughs> Welcome to Taco Renriad, the Wheel of Time showcast. I am your host, Joe Perry, here with my co hosts, Jen Isgro and Tom Kokoza. How are you doing tonight, Jen?
3: Joe, I am really, really good. This is, you thought last week was a very special episode, but this is a very special episode.
2: Jen, how good would you say you are? <sighs>
3: I don't want to exaggerate, but I think, truthfully, I am so good, Joe. Yes. So good.
2: Yes. (laughs) Trademark. Tom, how you doing?
0: Uh, I have to agree. Um, You know, last week was nice and all. We had the spouses on. They're great. Don't get me wrong. But this week, (laughs) this week, we have people on who our audience gives a shit about. I mean, whatever. You know, they like our that's a lot. harsh.
2: You want you want to cut that and retake that again, Tom?
0: <laughs> no, God damn it! I said what I said. No, um, She's
2: like, no, Michelle never listens to us.
0: <laughs> never. Never. And I, I don't know, I don't know if Sarah or Dan do. But no, I'm I'm no. Just Sarah listens to us
2: sometimes. She listened to yeah. last week's episode because she was on it.
0: There you go. Know, um This is a big week, Joe. This is a big week. You know what? Christmas.
2: I got my Christmas tree. We just decorated it today. Oh wow! Getting ready for (laughs) you know Christmas next week. Big week.
0: Big week. Yeah. Christmas lunch at work on Monday. On Monday, today when this episode drops. Drops. Right. I might be Um, eating
2: already at lunch. You know, I might be at lunch when this drops.
0: This this whole episode is actually just about the fact that Shohei Otani got paid seven hundred million (laughs) dollars. To most most of
2: it deferred. What is it like over a fifty year period or something?
0: No, it's it's the ten years after his contract is over. He's seven hundred million, two million per year during the contract. Because he doesn't need
2: the money. Six hundred and
0: eighty million dollars after the contract is over. No, after he makes more done than play. that on like advertising. So guys, guys Oh sorry, What? Guys.
2: what? People guys. who are listening to this are probably like <laughs> shut the fuck up and get Wait, to the I interviews. Like that. All right. All right, so uh, big episode for us. We had the opportunity to speak to some of the cast from the television show. We're going to play some some of those interviews for you now. We're actually, this is going to be a two-parter uh, because we got to speak to, uh, should I give it away? Eight, eight cast members from the show. So we're going to do four in this episode and then we're going to play the other four in our next episode. So be sure to listen to both episodes because you don't want to miss any of this. Do you guys? Is there anything you want to say before we start, Jen and Tom?
3: I'll say it before and I'll say it again later. But thank you for uh, this opportunity—not to you guys, but to Prime Video for, and to um, the and
2: to the actors themselves and to the
3: and to the people who gave up their time, of course. Yes, um, for giving us this opportunity because obviously this is uh, something we very much looked forward to and had a great fun time doing, and it's very interesting. And I can't wait to play them for you guys.
2: First up. We got to talk to uh, Nynaeve herself, Zoe Robbins. So let's listen and hear what she had to say. My first question is about Nynaeve's accepted test, of course. Um, so we have mm-hmm. a question. So, so on that third test, that third arch, Nynaeve decides to stay. Right, the arch appears, and then she decides to stay. What we wanted to get is your thoughts on how you think that arch then reappeared years later when Sherry M explicitly says that the way back comes but once.
4: Oh, uh, good <laughs> question. My understanding of it was that Naive goes through so much trauma and pain and rage that she somehow manages to channel which supposedly you're not able to do once you're in the arches. Mm-hmm. So through doing that that kind of I guess broke the 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 rules and uh somehow managed to make the appear again
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. so I was I was wrong on that Thanks you for were wrong there's an expression in the fandom that the way back comes but once except for naive yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> It's very true.
4: (laughs) Anomaly. (laughs) Okay, that's great.
3: I'm so glad to hear that answer. Um, Our our second question is, um, Nynaeve and the daughter of got to spend some time together this season. So can you tell us about Nynaeve's feelings toward Elaine and how they developed throughout season two? Oh,
4: yeah. Uh, Initially, I think Nynaeve doesn't think much of Elaine. She's kind of just there. And uh, Naineev has told herself the only reason that she is in the White Tower is for Egwene, so she's not really taking much notice of anyone else. And I think they are forced into friendship through both of their, Elaine Al- and Nainib's, um friendship with Egwene. So obviously there is um, something that they both bond uh with one another and that's that's through their love of Egwene which I think is quite sweet and it's I I love the chemistry between Nynaeve and Elaine they're like polar opposites but Mm -hmm. somehow they manage to kind of uh mute each other out and and come to a middle ground of some type of understanding through a lot of uh you know arguing
2: That one scene with them uh, holding each other when uh, holding each other's mm-hmm. hand when Reimer's getting collared was it was just like so quick oh, and yeah. simple but very powerful.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I th- I really I do really love their their friendship and Kara has been a wonderful friend as well and such a great new addition to the Wheel of Time family. We're really really happy. It's her. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, you're on mute. Tom, we I can't, can't hear,
3: hear you. you. Oh no. Okay.
2: Okay. I'll, I'll ask you, I'll ask yeah, you. Yeah, just
3: keep going. <laughs> okay.
2: So uh, the relationship between Nynaeve and Leandrin is very well drawn and complex in this season and it continues to, you know, travel in different places. So where do you feel at the end of season two, Nynaeve's head at with regards to who Leandrin is or who her relationship with Leandrin?
4: Oh, oh, I'm trying to think of the very last scene they had together. I think the relationship is incredibly complicated. I do believe there is a genuine love and respect there between the two characters, but that is obviously being muddied by Leandrins. Um, I'm going to say manipulation and emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I think Nynaeve's head is actually all over the place at the end of season two. She hasn't quite grasped her powers and how to access them, which is obviously playing with her mind and it becomes this vicious vicious cycle where she can't quite reach it and that infuriates her and upsets her and all the things. And I think that intrinsically ties into her relationship with Leandrin as well because she has been somewhat of a mentor and has kind of pushed her and prodded her in ways that have been really uncomfortable. But ultimately, I think maybe what Mayneve needed to access uh, her powers. But yeah, that's... Uh, we shall see with season
0: three. <laughs> All right. I think, I think I'm up now and yes. I apologize oh, yeah. for, <laughs> for the sound, for the sound issues. Um, so speaking of your powers and, and not to, not to get too far ahead, but how frustrating is it for Nynaeve that when she can't channel when she's like wants and needs it most, it seems that there's some sort of uh block there. Have you, have you, have mm-hmm. you tried to, have you tried to sneak ahead and find out when, when, when you get past that? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I have definitely, I've definitely done a deep dive in all for all like Nynaeve's pivotal moments. Um, I think it's uh, soul crushing for naive. Her one um, goal in life and her consistent um, drive for her is to make sure that the people she loves are safe and well looked after. And whenever she can't do that, I think she is a complete... Uh, crisis of confidence and it it consumes her. And I think that's where we find her at the end of season two, just completely, um, I guess, like a a shadow of herself, a shadow of who we believe and know Nynaeve to be. Um, But I hope ultimately that will propel her forward in her journey.
2: I'm curious too, is it, do you get frustrated? Are you like, when's Nynaeve going (laughs) to (laughs) break (laughs) through?
4: Yes, yes and no. I can understand why viewers might have been uh, super <laughs> frustrated with that ending for Nynaeve in particular, but it's also nice to be able to show all the sides and, and nuances to Nynaeve. She's not just a, um explosive firebomb of a person. She is very, very complicated and um, has real emotions, and I think showing that she can't always access her power just humanizes her a a lot more and um yeah it is it is nice to show lots of the different varying sides of Nineteh
0: I think it's great that like the show shows that right (laughs) Nineteh isn't just channeling right that that she's been a healer for years and she still has those skills and she still has things that she can do without being this like nuclear threat you know (laughs) uh you know channeler and I I think that that's a great it's a a a great arc in the storyline I don't know how how you felt but uh it was it was an interesting thing to watch.
4: I agree. I think if we if if we only saw Nynaeve at her most powerful and, and ultimately being able to save the day, uh, there wouldn't really be anything else for us to I mean, the, the arc would kind of be wrapped up very neatly and we wouldn't really be that interested in Nynaeve's journey um for, you know, the rest of the seasons to come. So I think I think it's important that we show how human she is and flawed and um, yeah. Okay.
3: So quickly, just going back to uh, what happens inside the arches. So it's not clear if what happens inside there is actually real, but it seems like there's a potential for maybe foreshadowing or Easter eggs. So is there anything in there that you know of that maybe fans should be paying attention to? Oh. <laughs> That's a loaded yeah. question. Um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
4: Oh, 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 oh. Actually, I don't I'm trying to think. I guess for season three, people can just the audience can expect to see more, more heartbreak. <laughs> um we're filming in South Africa. We're still we've mm-hmm. still got a chunk to do. Um, but I think the, I think season three is going to be really exciting. I, I hope fans will love it. Yeah. We're really
3: looking forward to season three. <laughs> it's good to be, just, just we, you know, just knowing the storylines from the book coming up, I know that it's season three is going to be great too. So excited <laughs> oh, about good. that. <laughs> good, good.
2: Um, I have one quick, very short question. I'll get in here before we have to go. Um, so, what? so you seem to be good at both sword fighting, uh, fighting with the sword and lashing out with the power. Which do you prefer, Zoe?
4: <laughs> oh oh great question um I guess it depends on the mood that I'm enjoying that, that on the day um I think there's something very uh I think channeling is something very uh it's, it's a very vulnerable space that I can imagine the characters must be in to access that type of power but I think also for actors, you have to absolutely just believe what you're doing 1,000% because, you know, spoiler alert, nothing is happening around you <laughs> on the day. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so you have to just absolutely go for it and um, – I th- I think that the act of channeling is something very beautiful and very spiritual, and I, it's exhausting. That the days in which we we have those scenes, you know, you just want to go home and have um, a bath and cry. But Aww. it's you know ultimately very, uh, um, I think really rewarding artistically. So I would say I would say channeling.
2: Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us. We really appreciate it. And we're very excited for season three and we're going to rewatch now season two and watch those scenes in the arches.
4: (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) 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 Thanks for your support guys. Thanks. Thanks for the chat.
2: Bye. All right. So that was Zoe. Some interesting information we got in there. She was awesome by the way, which I'm sure everyone listening could tell. So we finally got an answer. To the question of how the arch came back and I was dead set against it being <laughs> channeling because I didn't think there was anything there that indicated it was channeling but there you go Cha- she channeled the arch open just like she did in the book so I guess I um, uh,
0: concede
3: now I think in the book she channels it open on purpose though right
0: yeah so she, it's closing it so this like it's like it. yeah, yeah. she
3: channeled it's kind of like a mixture of like she channeled and then the arches itself was like, Oh, okay. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, she like overrode she didn't the open circuits. It, right. Like the fact that the fact that she channeled made it come back, not that she was oh, like thinking saying. of opening it. You know, just like that happened because of how powerful she is.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I do think it's interesting that we posed this as like an unanswered mystery and then like a, a couple of weeks after we were like, Oh, well, here's the answer. Um well, we, <laughs> but <laughs> who knew we didn't know who that knew? at the time. <laughs> Yeah. Right, and I will say just because she she mentioned that uh, they still had a chunk of filming to do this. This wasn't recorded uh, yesterday or earlier this week. This was recorded a little while ago. So I'm not sure where they are in the filming right now. But I do think it's interesting that like they confirmed that and that it sounds like that there may be hints or or, or something in 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 that testing sequence that may hint at things that are happening in season three, which I find very interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so, right, we talked a little bit about, um, right, we had our wrap party, but that was really just the wrap over in Prague in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, Watt's series had reported that there was still some filming to do uh, in South Africa, and it sounds like, Ni- you know, Nynaeve's character's there, which means probably Tanchico, I'm guessing, is what South Africa is, they're, they're using for, mm-hmm. or at least that's one of mm-hmm. the sets that I'm, that it's likely going to be. So, I mean, that's what we were speculating. So this kind of, I think, adds a little bit more credence to that. So makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, hopefully, uh, you guys listening got a lot out of that. I think there's a lot there to parse through. I really enjoyed that interview.
2: Yeah. Like she mentioned, she did. she's already done deep dives of all nineties pivotal moments. Yeah. So it sounds like she knows all the big beats that Nynaeve's going to hit in the future. I also thought it was interesting that she acknowledged it and kind of that... Um, that, you know, fans, though viewers might have been frustrated with how the season ends for Nynaeve, which was kind yeah. of, I think something we expressed, um, or at least I know I expressed the way, you know, it ended for her this season. Um, wow. So it's interesting that she kind of was, had that pulse, you know, like she either, either she felt it when she was filming or whatever, when they were creating the episode or she's, you know been on social media or whatnot i don't know which one it is yeah um, but i think
0: i do like her answer too and i think it's yeah. like, it's really astute you know storytelling observation like if she's just constantly like at the end like here's a super explosion like it becomes okay well we know that he's gonna do that at the end of every season yeah right and like yeah. now it's now now all bets are off who knows if she'll be yep. able to like actually get out of any situation that she's in and i think it's a great way of of undoing what happened at the end of season one, which is like, just put Nineveh in front of every army and she'll blow them up. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, all right, so let's move on. Next up, uh, we're talking to the daughter, Air. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to laugh now every time I say that because of, of Brendan. Um, we're Yes, next interview is with Kira Coveney. So let's see what she had to say.
5: Hi, nice to meet you. How are you doing?
2: We're very, very good. Great. How are you? Um, I know we have a short amount of time, so I guess we'll jump right into it if that's okay with you. Of
5: course. Okay.
0: All right. <laughs> all right. Elaine comes into this season as a new character, but pretty much immediately becomes a, a major player on the show. So, how does it feel for you as an actress joining in with an already established cast?
5: It was really exciting and, and really fun to join this cast, and I think the the situation on the show and um, the fact that these actors had all done a season together already but you know the characters had all grown up together um in two rivers and then Elaine's this new character who comes in it actually really fed to the dynamic and you know behind the scenes I'm I'm making friends with Maddie and Zoe as actors but you know at the same time simultaneously our characters are all meeting and navigating becoming new friends so it was It was really fun and they were so amazing. And I was really welcomed in with open arms and I learned so much from everyone so quickly. So... I'll always be very grateful
2: for that. Yeah, you mentioned, um, you know, making relationships and friends with Zoe and Maddie. You and Zoe had such great chemistry together on screen. That, I mean, the both of you really captured that Elaine naive dynamic from the books. Um, can you tell mm. us? Can, yeah, can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about how that relationship <laughs> developed, both on and off screen?
5: Yeah, it was. My favourite relationship to play on the show, it was just so fun to kind of explore this dynamic between these two characters. They bicker like sisters, they have this underlying respect for each other, but at the same time, just absolutely get on each other's nerves and each (laughs) one of them think they're in the right. And it was just really fun to kind of really play with that and really push each other's buttons and... Um, explore what that relationship is, and to slowly start to kind of allow that respect to come up and and show their like understanding and for each other kind of start to grow. Um, so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and you know, behind the scenes, um, Zoe and I are really close, and she has been so amazing in welcoming me to the show, and um, I've learned so much from her and. Yeah, it's just been so lovely to not only um, play this amazing character, but also make so many new friends in real life as well.
3: So speaking of uh, you and Nynaeve, my favorite season to Elaine moment is when Loyal kneels down to Elaine and finally gives her her due as daughter heir. Your reaction, the moment, were just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, How much backstory were you given beforehand about what being the daughter heir of Andor means for Elaine?
5: I, I had a meeting um with Rafe where he really taught me through it. And I I also uh delved into Eye of the World and um a couple other books as well and really explored like and reinvestigated what what Elaine's world looks like before we meet her in this season because when we meet her she's very much actually a fish out of water this is a very new situation for her and and not what she was how she was raised or her usual surroundings so it was really important to me to really understand that dynamic and um, Rafe really helped me with that as well as my own research um and yeah, it was, it was really exciting to play her at a time where everything is so new and she, she isn't kind of in her comfort zone. And I love that moment with Loyal as well, because it's, <laughs> she's been very deprived of those moments. Yeah. So, you know, It's been a long time and she's used quite used to them. So it was like a moment for her to kind of jab at Nynaeve and yeah. be like, See, <laughs> you know, this is how people treat me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love that. Oh man, okay. I'm, gonna watch, I'm gonna watch the scene when we're done. Yeah. I love it. So all right, good. so, <laughs> um,
6: <laughs> all
0: right, so I think uh, the show and and your performance does a great job of showing like the different aspects of of, of Elaine's personality over the first few scenes, the first couple episodes. Um, what is the impact of, of portraying the various facets of a character early on in, in your understanding of that character? Right, she's not a one note right away. Like you see a bunch of different stuff. There, how, how does that? Okay, what's the process through that, I guess?
5: I think it's, it's really, there's a lot of responsibility in kind of bringing a character to the screen. And, and I really wanted to really understand her and what makes her tick. And, and, and I, as I say, really understand her upbringing and how she got to this point and, it was really exciting to work um, with the different professionals on the show. I really loved working with Scarlett Mackin, our movement director, in figuring out how Elaine moves, how how she holds herself, how she connects to the one power and how she channels and what that movement looks like. And it was so interesting, that process, because we really look into where Elaine as a character goes in the future. And we take it back and try and plant those seeds because she's figuring it out she's she's learning. So it, it's really interesting to really go forward to go backwards and see where in the performance and in bringing the character to life, you can really plant the seeds of the future. Um, and really explore what that that is and and explore how she she finds the place that she ends up being in.
0: You you just guaranteed that like all the book fans are gonna go back and like rewatch
5: every yeah. scene. It's terrific.
0: <laughs> I, I love I love that answer. I'm sorry, I just right. yeah.
2: I think it's safe to say that we're all very big on Easter eggs and knowing yeah. those little hints that I yeah. did at the beginning. Yeah.
5: Yeah, well, the show is full of them. It's, it's, um, I love I love when I read the scripts or see it myself and I spot an Easter egg and I'm like, I know that one.
2: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, so in season two, Elaine is kind of a, a source of important information about like the world of the Wheel of Time, the White Tower channeling. She kind of fills in some of those gaps for us. Do you think this helped you gain a better understanding of the world of the Wheel of Time as being that sort of conduit uh, for these essential details for the viewer?
5: Oh, absolutely. Learning those lines. I feel like the, all those rules and regulations are like ingrained in my brain. I, I, (laughs) I know them off by heart because it's what Elaine says. And I think that's very much Elaine's character. She is this, um, she has a wealth of knowledge and she really uses that as a tool and um, as her strength. So it's something that's really important to her. So in turn, I really had to learn, really learn what she knows as well and, and really understand that. So it definitely helps as a tool. Um, yeah. And you're reading the script. You're like, Oh wow. I really understand that. that <laughs> <it.">
2: <laughs> Helping both of you and the viewer understand what's going on.
5: That's great. I like it. Yeah.
2: Um, so it looks like we're out of time. I wanna just thank you again so much, Kira. I really appreciate you taking your time out to to speak to us. Of
5: course, thank you so much for speaking with me.
2: And that was Kira. How awesome was she?
5: Oh, I loved her.
2: I love her accent. I could listen to her say buttons yeah. all day long.
3: Buttons. Button.
2: Buttons. buttons. The way Did they you say, say, that? British say yeah, the way the British say button. <laughs> they say button oh,
3: they
2: enunciate boy. the <laughs> T's.
3: Okay. That's, anyway, on uh, to the next
4: interview. No. That's, a, that's an interesting <laughs> takeaway. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought. Um,
3: I thought she was,
0: you know, she was great, and I really loved. Um, I really loved her answers, like her excitement about the same things that excite us about, like seeing those yeah. little Easter eggs and things of that nature. I thought that was really cool. That that was. I don't know. It was. It was equally exciting uh, for 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 me to hear that. And again, I I I think. Um, well, no, I, I said it. I said it. I think in the interview, right? She gave anytime that like we get insight into things and you basically want to rewatch parts of the show it gets me, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, really pumped.
3: Yeah. I love how she said that they're like looking at Elaine's future and trying to like lay seeds. That was great. And I, and I really love that because like, God forbid we don't get to see, you know, the entire story play out on TV. Like Elaine still exists. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it feels like it doesn't just like, the show wouldn't end when it, like the story doesn't end when it ends. Like this is a person that like the story goes on. Yeah. Like no matter what.
2: And she talked about like the, the backstory of Elaine, right? She had to kind of understand like who Elaine was. And I mean, I imagine some, it it was interesting because she said she looked at eye of the world there's a bunch of scenes in there that don't happen in the show. So uh, it was interesting that she, she actually had material to pull from that took technically events that would have happened prior to the, the the second season that she, I guess got to use to kind of shape the character, which I thought was interesting for her to be able to do.
3: Yeah. Cause that could be like Elaine. This is what Elaine's like before she comes to the tower. This is her (laughs) in her like comfort zone.
0: Yes. Right. And just so this is like the strict, the strict world that, she like is forced to live in the relationship that she has with her brothers and her mom and and Elida Elida. and all that. And uh, yeah, I thought, I thought that was really, it was really good. And I, and I love uh, any reference to the fact, you know, Rafe has said that uh, I think multiple times in interviews about how, like they're adapting the series and that's how they're looking to do this. This is not an an adaptation of a book or this book where it's like, this is the series and we're looking to do that. And the fact that, like, that isn't just in the writer's room, but in the way that the actors have discussions about their characters and are preparing for the show, like, I think that really shows that that's an ethos throughout the production.
2: Yeah. And the continue, right, that's two now, two people in a row talking about how they're laying a lot of groundwork for stuff Mm
0: -hmm. later on
2: that maybe we're not necessarily picking up on our first watch or second watch or third watch. I mean, it's just like the books, right? You re- every time you read the book, you find something new. So uh, yeah. same thing seems like with the television show. So yeah, she was really great to talk to. I really liked her. She's, very, uh, she's got a great personality.
3: Yeah.
2: All right. Should we move on to the next one?
1: Sure. Okay. All
2: right, next up, we have Donald Finn.
1: Nice to meet all of you. So we've got, we got three of you here. Is it Jen, Joe, and Tom?
2: Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to meet with us. We Really appreciate you giving us, a, you know, so the chance to talk with you.
1: No problem at all, man. I uh, I'm, I'm a big admirer of all of the uh, the Wheel of Time fan community and these the, the podcast as well. So I uh, I appreciate the stuff that you do. Thanks, thanks so much.
2: Um, I know we have a limited amount of time, so uh, if you don't mind, we can uh, begin with the first question. I think. Yeah,
1: let's throw you on. Yeah. Okay,
3: so Matt is definitely a fan favorite character. Did you have any idea of Matt's popularity when you were cast?
1: Um, I guess I guess I kind of kept myself a little bit at bay, like from it, uh, just out of um, out, out of self preservation, really, because I I think I understood, you know, as I was learning about the Wheel of Time just how expansive it was and as I kept reading how expansive it was I was going wow and, and Matt is still here like I was like, oh, like yeah, we're, we're. I'm, I'm reading a summary for book 12 now and I'm going God, yeah, he's he hasn't died that's kind of amazing and, uh, and so I was kind of going right yeah he's he's pretty significant and then as I was um, as I was auditioning I was kind of digging into lots of Wheel of Time resources and stuff and uh, I would kind of um, I felt as I was um, auditioning I was kind of speed learning it and kind of taking all the information from wherever I could and some of the things would be like videos on YouTube that would be like the top 25 most epic things that Matt does in the whole <laughs> time series and that's kind of like oh wow 25 <laughs> epic things oh it's kind of gone all oh, right and it's pretty it's pretty significant then and then the beauty is like you kind of you get in and you do the scenes, you kind of get to strip that all away because I don't think he particularly, I think it doesn't really work if he believes that, you know, or mm-hmm. if he has a sense of like, I've got this whole epic quest that I'm so proud of and that I'm about to go on. And I see that in my future. I think the thing is like he constantly is surprised by the, um, um, the challenges that come his way because he doesn't seek them out and then when he does them it's often in the name of someone else but when he does them then he kind of goes um someone says i can't believe you did that and he's kind of like yeah it's not it's yeah don't worry about it there's not a big deal not a big deal you know i think he <laughs> he, he likes to underplay uh his uh he, those kind of um achievements or are, are yeah successes
0: yeah love it all right so one of the most crushing scenes is, in season 2 is is when Matt goes from pure joy at meeting up with Grand to the sadness letting him walk away due to the viewing that Ben has. So was it wasn't frustrating for you as an actor to play a character who can't seem to catch a break.
1: Uh, <laughs> um it, I guess it was, you know, and I think like a lot of the uh, it's it's never it's never frustrating, like because you know, the material, the the character is so good, even when he can't catch a break, the scenes are still enjoyable, you know? Um mm-hmm. And so when, uh, you know, in that moment, he is, what would I say about that? Does he, can he catch a break? There's a release then, I think, and when he does, I think, you know, I think all of that feels like, you know, when the character, from understanding it in the, in the, from the character's point of view, he might feel that it's all in vain, those perils, but like the payoff or the kind of the enjoyment for us as well as that finally we do see that uh, he does catch a break and that he does, he feels like he's won and he's achieved and that he's um he has something to celebrate and i think that's kind of that was maybe my favorite thing about the season is that like it is just like someone like break a rock in two and like hitting it and hitting it and having no idea like which strike it is that's gonna like break the thing and then it finally happens for him like but it doesn't it's not when he expects it you know it's not when um it's not when I don't know if that does that make sense do you know what it, 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 uh, I do, yeah. it does I, I think you know the payoff is is worth the, the suffering uh, from a fan <laughs> yeah. <community,
4: you> know? <laughs> right yeah
1: <laughs> I think an awful lot of people like I understand from the fan community feel like I suffered because of the costume as well you know so uh, <laughs> I do have a I do have
2: a question about that later
1: <laughs> I never felt I never felt like I suffered I have to say I kind of I love that I, I love that quote and when uh, when we were in Prague, it was it kept me very warm, and when we were in Morocco, it kept me really, really, really warm, uh, like too warm. So, uh, but, uh, but I think you know, uh, yeah, I I also have a payoff in that respect. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. since you brought up,
2: <laughs> since you brought up the costume, I'm just going to ask the question now. So, you were stuck wearing that costume for almost the entirety of the season. Um, if you could wear one other character's costume, what would it be? I think.
1: I think if I if I was, it was speaking, you know, when we go to Kyrian and you kind of you meet uh, and and I bump into Rand and and uh, you you know we have that chat he meets me as I'm kind of uh, as I'm uh, playing dice uh, and then it cuts to the lads and they're they're having drinks at the at a, outside in a kind of a, a tavern like a, at a restaurant. I know that like in that cutaway, definitely Matt has had a word and said like, man, like. It's ridiculous, like that you get to walk around wearing these class clothes, and I'm still wearing this. It's definitely, it's definitely, you know, th- that, those are the kind of the outtakes there or the unseen, the unseen dialogue. Is is Matt going like, can you please tell me like where you got your shirt and your jackets and
4: stuff? And your yeah,
1: because you know, uh, like Yasha looks pretty phenomenal in, the- in his in, in his get yeah. up. So I think it's I think it's that costume, it's that costume. I think. It's definitely a great one, Uh, but also if I was probably, you know, if I was being really bold and mad, I'd probably be like, I'd probably go to whoever is the tailor who looks after Lanfear as well. You know, probably just see.
4: (laughs) I'd be like to
1: to 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 wear stuff like that. They're they're epic. One last question: Um,
0: When Matt overcomes the temptation of the dagger and said uses it as a means to escape the trap that he's he's in. Fans read a strong allegory to like addiction and recovery, being able to kind of like break through these things. Was that an aspect of the scene that you were conscious of? Did that like impact your performance at all?
1: I mean, the parallels are there, and I guess I kind of um, I was conscious of you know what would be a way of making it similar, like you know, a, like a similar kind of or, or, or bringing it into. A world that we know, you know, um, and uh, and so you know, in order to kind of examine, kind of what kind of behaviours or what kind of things that you, you know, what what experiences that that we have in in real life, you know, uh, that you can kind of understand from um, a more of a like a, a kind of a clinical or, or even a stepped back examined approach, you can kind of study. Through like videos or research and stuff of of going, oh, this is how this is how that kind of having a craving in such a way manifests in the body, um, and I kind of try to bring some kind of quality into that. When when was making the in that kind of montage where we're making the the makeshift shandry, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of uh, putting the putting the dagger there uh, onto the onto that staff. I think is, but I also think as well, there's just an element of it's kind of that thing of you know trying desperately it's like it's like you're working with a magnet or something because there's times where you're being like pulled towards it and then but your instinct is you're trying to repel against it and it does make this kind of good tension and um uh, like there, that is a that kind of parallel with addiction is there in kind of in the way that Robert Jordan has written it, but, I, you know, I think you can change that word to anything like kind of obsession or craving or desire and stuff. And, I, um, and yeah, so that, you know, I swapped it out so that I feel like I could relate to that more, you know, you know, I, like uh, it's something, the idea of being obsessed with something and, and, and that it being almost compulsive, you know, is, was like maybe easier to kind of connect with her.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, well, thank you so much, Donald. Looks like we're out of time. We really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to talk with us again. We're big fans. We're very excited for season three. We know we've got some time now, but we're waiting, ready and excited. <laughs>
1: Thanks a million. Thanks very much. Dan. It was really nice to speak with you and to meet you. Thank
3: you.
2: Thanks. Right. Oh, that was great. Um, uh, do we Do we talk about the elephant in the room?
3: The Ashenderai in the roof.
2: The makeshift Ashenderai. I wish
3: I, I wish everybody could see could have seen Joe's eyes when he said makeshift.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, it's I,
3: think like,
0: I think both of us, the eyebrows yeah. just kind of went right up to the hairline. Um, uh, I can't believe two of our unsolved mysteries from uh, well that
3: that doesn't uh, solve
2: uh, anything. Uh, he says a makeshift Ashenderai. I he, think
0: he, I think I think a makeshift. Shandarai, and the way that he says it very strongly indicates that an actual Shandarai appears on the show. Yeah, which I believe. Well, I didn't, and I argued in that episode that that, that this thing that he makes in season two ends up being the only one. Somehow it may get changed, the evil may get taken out of it, but like that's it. And this really indicates to me that an actual Ashandra that's not made by him in a room may appear on this show. I think that's, uh, that I, th- I mean, whatever. He doesn't exactly say that, but that's what I heard.
3: Me too. I thought you were trying to say you were right. That's why I was no, no. <laughs> immediately arguing with you at first. Gen- but, no,
0: yeah. I, 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 again, those, that's one of those things where like, if I'm right, I win. And if I'm wrong, yeah. I win. Cause it's still awesome. But can I say, I, I loved all of his answers. The, 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 mm-hmm the enthusiasm and like the thought that he put into every question that we gave him was really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And I loved his insight into Matt as a character and how Matt approaches the crazy things that he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I love that yeah, he calls you, them the lads when they go out for a drink. Yeah. I, was, I don't know. I was just like, Oh, lads. I'm from a different country. Uh.
2: Yeah. Lads. Yeah. That's, I, I say love that. listening
3: to everyone's accents so far. Yeah. They've all been wonderful.
2: Well, everyone we talked to had accents, so we got Not lucky. That many
3: people that don't.
2: Not to us. <laughs> we I mean, have accents. that's what no, I'm saying. Like, I oh. meant...
3: We don't have any accents. Only we they sound do. normal.
2: <laughs> what are you talking about?
3: Do- Next up, we talk to the daughter
2: <laughs> The daughter Hey, yo. Uh, um, <laughs> I love how he brought up the costume like I, I had the question I had that question like further down and then he brought up the costume and I was like, I gotta ask this question now because he brought yeah. it up. He um, was
3: very thoughtful we had we didn't get to a- ask a lot of the questions but I yeah like I agree he was like very deep in his answers he was good
2: yeah and I like I was surprised about his description, you know, when you asked the question about the dagger and addiction. And he was. It seemed like he took it a different way, but like obviously something similar, like he like he said obsession or yeah. cravings or whatnot. So I I thought that was an yeah. interesting answer too. Like he described it like like a like a magnet, like a magnetic uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, pull uh, towards it.
0: I I always enjoy any kind of like answer that gives a little insight into like the process that someone goes through to get to their end result. For him to talk about like he looked at like how people who are addicts, like their body language and how they deal with that. And he tried to mirror that, but like presumably he doesn't have really any experience with that. So he yeah. moved on to something that he felt he could connect more with, but that obsession to like really get in the emotional space that he needed to, to, to get to those scenes, which I think were terrific. Oh, I, 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 I really enjoyed that interview. I hope everyone listening did as well.
4: Yeah. I
3: think a lot of the cast in, is like utilizing that movement coach. I feel Mm -hmm. like I've never thought of that as being a thing until we started talking about this show, but, like, the channeling and this, possibly, and then there's another interview coming up where someone else describes, like thinking of how a body would move in space, feeling a certain way. It's just like, it's very interesting, like, to think about that that's somebody's job to, like, bring that out of you.
2: I know, that's kind of crazy. Like, when Kira was talking about it before, I was thinking more of, like, the channeling, right? Because we heard about movement coaches and they had talked yeah. about it with the channeling before, but she kind of brought it into, like, well, this is how, like, a princess would, like, yeah. walk and stand. So she had to, you know, get that kind of, uh, you know, posture, so to speak, down and I'm sure the movement, you know, she said that the movement coach helped her with that, which yeah. I didn't even think about that part. I was always thinking about the channeling portion of it, so shall we uh, go into our final one for this, this Let's episode? Let's close it out. Let's, Let's close it. it out with uh, Sister Strongjaw, Kate Fleetwood.
6: Hello, how are you all?
2: Very good, very good. Great.
6: Doing
2: well. <laughs> good, um, good. I know we have a limited amount of time, so I guess we'll jump right into it. Yes. I think Jen...
3: Okay so our first question is in season 2 it's finally revealed that Leandrin is working for the shadow so how did you balance your performance to keep viewers guessing knowing this was her path all along
6: I don't know I just think you just play the moment don't you you just play you don't when you play a character you don't play the end <laughs> you know you don't ever play the end you just play the now I mean of course the, the end is subconscious and sub, and, and in this behind you and but you you have to play the the moment, and so you have to play. You have to play with the person you're playing with, and I mean, we all have a sort of tapestry of history and projections going on as human beings. And so you—not that the arches, the I star human exactly, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, you don't play the end. That's all. That's the quickest answer I can give you. Mm-hmm. You play in, in the moment.
2: Great. So, one of the biggest surprises mm-hmm. in season two, especially I think for book readers, is that Leandrin mm-hmm. has a son, and it's implied that that's weighed heavily on her decision to join the Black Aja. Yes, or it was. To me, to me as well.
6: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that was going to be part of my question: was to uh, you know say,
6: say that again? I missed.
2: What I was gonna ask is do plot twists like that surprise you as much as it surprises us? And and do you feel that that having a son humanizes Leandrin and makes her a little bit more of a sympathetic villain?
6: Yes, yes. I mean, but it was yes, it, I mean, to be honest, it was a surprise to me when I first read those scripts. And so I mean, I knew there was a man in North Harbour, but I didn't know <laughs> where, where that what that was. As <laughs> the fans and you guys didn't know either. So but it made huge amount of sense to me. It was really, it was like a ping moment. It was really, really clever, I thought, of the writers because it's not about, it's about it because she has a responsibility and it's not a, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a partnership that, you know, boyfriend or something. It, 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 it's a responsibility and a duty of care. But of course, that gets compromised when she meets, you know, Lausia, yeah. who she's petrified of. Oh, yes. That's- <laughs> so, um,
2: um. Did you think you
6: that, know, that that was a really interesting scene to sort of? No, I'm, sort of really
2: know, I'm sorry. sorry. I think we're a little off sync. Go ahead. Uh, well,
6: I'll carry on. <laughs> I'll, I'll carry on. Is that? Yeah. Okay. It was, it was interesting to there's a sort of flip in that scene when Lanzier takes the the route of of you know killing her son. Um, because I was, you know, the sort of the, the mixture in that feeling is, of course, you, I don't want my son to die, but I know it's the right thing to happen. And also I'm absolutely petrified of land fears. It's a really complicated, you know, you're under duress at the same time as feeling emotional and trying to hide that and also losing your son. And it's a really complex thing. And of course, it's also a free, a freeing thing, which he feels guilty about. So it's really naughty, isn't it? Yeah, and and that's so, and and you get that with the villains, you know. That's what you get with the villains, and I I think that's been the best, sort of, most successful part for me, and anyway, me personally, of, of season two. For one of the most successful things in in this season two has been the introduction of the Forsaken, and I think it's given a huge amount of conflict and and higher mistakes have just gone higher and higher because of that. And you know they're so fabulous, the Forsaken, and and. The, and <laughs> But I, I, think that's really increased the, the, you know, the intensity and the heat in this season. And I think that's I'm really happy to be from anywhere near that part of the story <laughs> because it's so complicated and not interesting mm-hmm. and that's does what that is what makes the villains interesting is if you give them these provocations and, and realities and 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 that's you know that's what humans are you know and i think that's why audiences mm-hmm. relate to them is that you know they they like to see people who are flawed like we all are mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah. Yeah. definitely i i, I want to say like i think you did this job just Playing the different layers of that scene. You know, like you can see the, I don't know, the different emotional beats of the conflicts that they're in. So I uh, just wanted to throw in a welcome. Thank
6: thing. you. Well, thank you. I
0: <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, all right. So um, our next question in episode five, right? That's when Leandrin brings the girls to Soroth and to the Shanshin. Mm-hmm. um And before she leaves through the way gate, she unbinds Naive. Why mm-hmm. do you think she did that? um <laughs> I think, yeah. If, if you can tell us, if you're, allowed to tell I
6: mean, us. it's like it's sort of like leaving a bomb in a room, isn't it? Or um, in a, you know, in in all the good play, in all good plays, uh, you know, you would you would put a you would have a character coming onto a, a stage and putting a gun in the drawer and then leaving, and then the audience are like. When's the gun going to be used, when's the gun going to be used? And I think it's that, it's a, it's a, she, she knows there's a, she's leaving this powerful, potent, you know, um, person in that arena, that she wants to have an impact on, you know, she, that's, that's the whole thing with Leandrin is she's, she's obviously grown up in a world when she was a child of being completely neglected. And, um, and you know, those people, People who suffer that, if, if it goes badly, you know, they want, they feel, you know, they need some control somewhere and they need to feel heard and they need to feel relevant and they need to feel valued and, and invisible because they have felt invisible. And um, so, you know, that's her big sort of MO is just to be relevant and to be heard and to be seen. And I think even when she's leaving, she's leaving, she's leaving a bomb.
0: uh, (laughs) Love it
6: You're kind of making me like Leandrin right now I have to say
3: (laughs) hearing (laughs) you talk, it's like, oh, maybe she's not that bad (laughs) Okay In in episode one of season two Shiria mentions that a novice died In Leandrin's care Is there any kind of backstory you can share with us About
6: that? (laughs) Allegedly (laughs) Okay, all right (laughs) 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 allegedly died in my care perhaps yeah i mean yes probably yeah we didn't thrash that out too much i think those i mean sometimes you know you know it's like doing shakespeare it's it's you don't need to know everything the feel Mm -hmm. the the vibrations of what that could be you know it's uh you don't, the language and the image and the vision of it, the visuals of it and how it sort of plumb lines into, into one's imagination. Yeah. Sometimes it's best not to, not to tie things, everything up because it's just sort of more fascinating to sort of mm-hmm. allow it to sort of possibly go there or possibly go there today. And on the third reading, oh, I'm going to think of it like that. It's just <laughs> enriches it. Mm-hmm. Not nailing everything down is, is kind of, you know, it make, keeps it playful and, and, you know, and reinterpretable the next time you watch it. Mm -hmm. Mm So yeah, I don't. I don't always (laughs) like to nail everything down
5: because I think
6: you let the audience do that. You know, that's
0: that's great. (laughs) Yeah, I signed one last question. So. Quick. Uh you work with so many amazing scene partners this season. So what was your personal favorite scene to film?
6: Oh, that's a bit that's a bit cheeky, isn't it? Because I love <laughs> them all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love them all. I love them all for different reasons, you know. They're all they're all, you know, I don't have a favorite. I, I'll have a. you know, an amazing day because I just think that set is incredible. We're having a wonderful day because that interaction with that actor was really special and really or I had a great day on this day. Because it was, for instance, Donald's first day or something, and that's a special thing. And, yeah. and you know, so it's very rare you have, you know, like an occasion if it's freezing, you know. I can probably tell you the sort of tough days when it's yeah. absolutely freezing and you're desperate to get into the warm <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, but you know, it's it's really hard to decide that. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean I think I think if I had to, you know, I always have a very, very special time with Zoe. It's a, it's a very. Um, I get quite sort of, I get always get quite emotional when I think about working with Zoe because we have a really strong connection and we don't really talk about it too much. It's just that we have a really deep connection as char- when we're playing those characters and friends, obviously. But it just feels there's much going on. It just feels very, very um special when i'm working Mm -hmm. with zoe yeah but i love everybody yeah (laughs) i don't get to play with them all enough is the truth
2: (laughs) um i want to thank you so much because i'm
6: always skulking about in corridors on my own
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thank you so thank you so much kate we really appreciate uh you taking out the time Mm -hmm. to meet with us and talk with us
6: you're very very welcome
2: thank you that was kate sorry about that we had a little uh zoom uh connectivity issue so we were a little off sync there and she froze up for a bit but i think we got a lot of good stuff from her and she was really very uh what's the word i'm looking for uh forthcoming with it right because at first when we asked tom you asked that question about her you know favorite scene you know she was like i love all of them but then she kind of gave us like oh so (laughs) we
0: <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> so, so I, I, she said I was cheeky, which yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. But there's a highlight for my life.
2: Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been called cheeky before?
3: Yeah, but not by Kate.
0: Oh, okay. Until until this interview,
3: I just um, I know she said like we don't ha- like the audience doesn't have to know everything. I just want to let her know we have to know everything. <laughs> we personally need yeah. to know in this fandom everything. Yes. Um, but I do have to add that. At the very end of the interview, you you don't hear this because Joe and Tom had just signed off. And I swear to God, this happened. She said, I've listened to a few of your episodes. And I said, I was like, oh, thank you so much. And I'm so sorry that they left before they heard that. And then because of the connection issues, I couldn't tell if it was the connection issues or it was just like dead silent. So I just went, "Okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, ah!
2: I know that's what I get <laughs> I for wish we got that, me, leaving yeah. so leaving the nice. Zoom. Um, so me, and great. Tom didn't get to witness that. So we'll just live, no. we'll live vicariously through Jen. Uh, that experience. I trust
0: Jen.
3: I'm sure it was. It's in my brain forever.
2: Oh no, I'm not saying. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't happen. I'm just saying we won't. We don't get to experience her saying that to us. Like yeah. Guys,
3: right after you logged off, Rafe jumped in and he asked <laughs> me to come to Prague and be on the show.
2: He was reading. Can me you some of the Scripts yeah. for season three.
3: <laughs> oh, I went way uh, too far. <laughs> I'll
2: never uh, believe that. Um, so I, I love the the novice. Alleged, she's like allegedly yeah. died. I don't care. She pointed that out, which I thought was funny. Um, and and the point that she said, no, there was no backstory to that because, like you said. Jen, you know, we have to know everything. So, yeah, but it was so. good to know that like, this isn't something like, this isn't an Easter egg or some sort of right. foreshadowing. It's just something they threw in there, I think. Um, and they didn't really add any backstory to it. So there's nothing there really, I guess there's no thread to pull on that one. So yeah. we can lay that one to rest if people were. Ew.
3: That's one down.
2: <laughs> we <laughs> not, we <laughs> knocked out a couple of in, the, in these interviews. <laughs>
0: You know what I appreciated, which I didn't appreciate, I think, when we were doing the interview, but in re-listening to it uh tonight, she filmed Well, she filmed season one years ago. And, you know, she filmed season two also years ago. Yeah. And she just threw out I knew there was a man in North Harbor. That's the kind of like line that we remember as obsessive yeah. super fans. And she just threw that out and i'm like this is a person who's really invested in this material and mm-hmm. like that struck me tonight <laughs> when we we're re-listening the interview i enjoyed that a lot i loved her answer to the question about like why did you why did you let Nynaeve's bonds free mm-hmm. like, and oh yeah that's, there was described. nothing about that's like, like i you know i felt for her and i wanted to give her a chance it was like fuck them like that yes. was the idea. <laughs> and, we talked and, about that. We were debating yeah.
2: whether like it was like one or the other, or a little bit of both. But she gave it up. Like, no, nah, we're just. I'm just pulling out a pin and dropping yeah. the grenade.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I loved her insight into like Leandrin just wants to be remembered and like wants to like make an impact and like that's yeah. like such a driver for her. And I'm like, oh, this is great stuff. And I also felt the same way. There's the insight, the character insight into her the Question Like, what she was talking about, uh, the scene with Lanfear and her son, and like all the mm-hmm. different emotions that she has like experienced at the same time. It was, yeah, uh, she's she seems to really ensemble. like
2: The Forsaken. She brought them up a couple of times and talked about mm-hmm. how much how interesting they're making the story. So, we're probably gonna get some more interaction with her and Forsaken in season three, Maybe. I'm gonna guess, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. Well, who I guess knows? we'll have to, yeah, who knows um so these were great these four people huh yeah yeah well it's a good thing we have another four to to talk to in the next episode so i would say uh you know make sure you listen to the next episode because we've got four more interviews coming um any final thoughts jen or tom before we wrap it up here
3: Uh, no again just thankful that we were given this opportunity hope we get more in the future
2: I mean, we said it. I think a few times in the interviews themselves, but it sounds like we need to go back and rewatch season two yeah. again because there are things we missed. Yeah, so. I, I
0: would. I would go back honestly because I feel like whatever. There's me. I'm gonna wa- probably rewatch the whole thing. Like I'm taking off during the the uh, the winter break, Christmas Christmas break for the kids and whatnot, and uh, I'll sneak some time to kind of rewatch the whole season. I think there's a lot in there that we may not have necessarily realized were breadcrumbs.
2: Yeah, and I think uh, I was thinking the same thing. Like it's the perfect time for a rewatch over the holiday break if people are taking time off, or you're going to be off visit, you know, visiting family or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe get try to involved. get some of your family to watch. Get an them episode. To watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to try to do.
0: Get them to watch, um, and then have them listen to our show. Right? It's everyone yeah. wins that way. Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right. I want to remind everyone to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Join us over in Discord to continue the conversations there. We also post our episodes on YouTube. So check out our YouTube page and be sure to like and subscribe there. Rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our merchandise and Patreon pages to support us that way. We've got a lot of cool stuff on our merch page. And we've also got a lot of great perks on our Patreon. So check those out. We really appreciate it if you support us final words
0: 700 million
2: (laughs) thanks everyone for listening and you'll hear us next time